and welcome to Get the Ball Rolling with me, Lan Mackay, Ben Langley. Hello, good to be here. And Scott Gurley. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> thanks, thanks for being here. Um, right, so we are here today to talk about women's football in Scotland. We're going to be looking at the growth in popularity over the last few years mm-hmm. and then talking about how that has filtered down into grassroots level. We've got a couple of interviews. Scott, you spoke to a Spartans player. Absolutely. Kaylee Gibb, only 20 years of age, but very mature. And she speaks so great that you're going to want to hear what she says. And Ben, you had a wee interview as well with your mate Hannah Wilkes. Yeah, my good friend Hannah. It was quite interesting to see how she deals with all the setting up of the girls' team in the local area. Good stuff. How nice is it to see how popular women's football is at the minute? It's great, isn't it? I mean, you've seen so much growth over the past few years it feels like it's on a rocket ship almost going straight up it's brilliant to see that everyone's interested as well it's not just the women that are interested it's all the men and it's great to see that everyone is taking a real interest in it yeah the world cup as well like we were saying before i was on holiday in greece in the summer and it was the first time i've ever been anywhere and just seeing people outside pubs like men as well just all everybody getting behind the team and it was really a great world cup as well wasn't it yeah Great World Cup. The attendance of the women's game obviously seen a significant rise going back to the World Cup. The Spain-England final saw 75,000 in attendance and then the average was 30,000 per game, which is an increase compared to the 10,000 of the previous World Cup in France. And then the TV viewing as well saw 12 million people tune in in the UK as well, so it's clear that they're definitely gaining its popularity. Well, the world stage is huge, but the Scottish game as well. It's grown, hasn't it? Yeah, we were talking before, like the attendance figures for the SWPL are getting broken all the time. Final day of the season last year, nearly 16,000 went to the Celtic Hearts game, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Sky have got a deal with the SWPL along with the English Women's Football League as well. But then you look around Edinburgh and, for example, when Hearts and Hibs are playing along in the women's game... All across the Lovian buses, you go to St. James's and it's advertised everywhere. It's just really rising from there. And even then, there's now girls on FIFA as well. It does only have the one women's football team from Scotland in Mm -hmm. there, obviously Glasgow City. It doesn't Mm -hmm. quite have the Spartans team or anything. And of course, as we mentioned in the intro, I did catch up with Kaylee Gibb from Spartans and talked a bit about her progression and her time at grassroots level and her rise from there. Sort of just first question, how did you actually get into football anyway? Was it someone who took you to games or inspired you or what, what was it? Yeah, so I've got two older brothers who were football daft. So mum and dad obviously having three kids, they couldn't really find someone to look after me but also look after the boys. So I got dragged to football with them and then just started kicking a ball about the side and then one of the coaches, they were short on players so asked me to go play with my brother's team. I played, done well and then I kind of just started playing with him from there on and then my brother stopped playing but I kept going and never really been off a pitch since. So. What do you think is the biggest factor that can improve female grassroots football? Yeah, so I think maybe like like more coaching, like a, a lot of it, I know football's meant to be fun for kids and things like that but as well we need to coach. Football, women's football's getting bigger, it's getting more competitive so we need to have bigger and better players sort of coming through the, the pathways and stuff. So we need to make sure that we're we're coaching them the game and we're not just coaching them, you know, to be a team. Like, we need to teach them how to play as well. Do you think as well that when you're younger, you may be pushed towards, as a girl, more towards dance, ballet, hockey, and the boys get pushed more, more towards football, rugby? Do you think that's the case? And if so, why do you think that is? Yeah, definitely. I think as well, you know, a lot of that's probably the generation that I've been in social media has a big impact on that. So you see you see all these like 
famous like women that are makeup artists or models and things like that and you think that's what you need to be when realistically you don't you can literally be anything that you want so I think if you want to be a footballer then you can be a footballer you just need to work hard and you need to obviously have that support around you whereas I had that a lot my mum and dad my grandparents were delighted that I wanted to be a footballer and not spend thousands of pounds on a dancing costume every weekend. What do you think has spurred popularity in women's football? Probably the success of like you know the English leagues English women's team Scotland's women's team's doing really well and things like that and you know like the coverage has well been a lot better it's you see it now on telly Saturday there's at least a a women's game and a Sunday there's a women's game so I think that probably helps because little girls get to see what they could be like. At the end there she's obviously mentioning you know the role models that she can wake up Sunday obviously not on a match day for her but she can actually watch the games live on Sky which is just brilliant for young girls especially. Definitely makes it more accessible as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I totally agree with what she said. I think it's so important just to have the for the women's teams to have that exposure and seeing them play on Sky Sports and things like that on a Sunday. Young girls to watch that and have them as role models. It's mm. one thing to have yeah. to encourage girls just to play for the fun of it, but actually how important it is now that we want to see competition at the highest level for the women's game. Yeah and ride on the back of the success of the Euros and the World Cup. So how important it is to get good quality coaches into sort of grassroots level so that they can go on and climb the ladder yeah, exactly. and play for professional well, she teams. Well, mentioned that it needs to be less, less fun and more focused on the coaching aspect of it to make these players more professional and stuff like that. Well, you see that at all levels as well, the coaching, how important it is that teams crumble without a great coach. Even look at the Scotland men's team, you know, we had Gordon Strachan yeah. before, we weren't going anywhere. Steve Clark's come in, turned it around, exactly what a good coach should do, mm-hmm. and we're off to back-to-back European Championships because of that man. You see Serena Vigman as well, the impact that she's had. Some people are even tipping her to be the men's manager as well. So it shows that the importance of having a good coach. See, I don't like that though, because I don't think that she should be, because she's so good, let's bring her into the men's game. Like We need the good coaches in the women's game, so... Yeah, that's so, very true. Keep it, keep it there. Let's grow. You never know. There's what the one other thing I was going to mention. Just really interesting what she was saying about stereotypes changing in terms of obviously even when I was at school, like I don't remember ever playing football in PE or anything like that. Like I, I did go to football on the weekends with a couple of my friends. Like she was saying, you you were sort of more encouraged towards your sort of traditional female sports, hockey and netball and things, where the boys would be outside playing football. But I think that is now changing so that's really good to see that sort of girls have got these role models of footballers i think as well the what she said at the end of that was the fact that her mum and dad and her granddad they were all really happy that she chose football growing up with two brothers and so forth but that made them really happy because you know it's not just oh the boys are playing football the boys gave up on football she's there and she's playing football and she's got such supportive parents and when I was leaving the ground as well, she was there speaking away with her parents before the match. Obviously, she's injured at the minute, so she wasn't playing or anything. But it's great to see that even though she's injured, you know, she was still there and her parents still came along as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's great to see as well. No, that was, good. that was a really good interview. Obviously, we've spoken about how the growth in the women's game has been amazing over the last few years. But what we really want to get into is whether this increase in popularity has actually led to any kind of improvement in funding and opportunities for girls at grassroots level. So, Ben, uh, you spoke to your friend yeah. Hannah. 
after she left school, she said, oh, I want to set up my own girls team to try and progress that. So I spoke to Hannah on the reasons why she set up this football team. So here's what she had to say. Just 10 years ago when I played, for example, there wasn't a girls team locally. You really had to go an hour, an hour and a half out your way. And you wanted to go playing in, in just a girls team. Um, so I felt that it, it was important to set one up, give them the opportunity. So, you know, there was a grassroots it was really interesting point to see the lack of opportunities you see for between boys and girls in like especially where I came from there's not it's not the biggest of areas there's no big cities around because that's where usually most of the focus goes towards Mm -hmm. so she basically showed the difficulties that she's faced to setting up the girls team because it's actually the most difficult part is finding these 11 young girls to play because she coaches under 15s and sometimes she has to bring in 10 or 11 year olds to uh, join in as well that's the lack of numbers available that can always stun a player's development as well if you get brought up to a level that's too early it's definitely accessibility is so important in terms of recruiting groups of players because if you've got a team 10 miles away or 15 miles away you might not get the numbers week in week out so you do need to have more teams I think in the smaller areas Mm. to make sure that you can get there every week. You think nowadays as well there is a massive cost of living crisis that it can really affect these teams as well the likes of buying all the kits the bibs, the renting paying of the, the pitch, paying the referees. It's there's so many hidden costs of actually running a football club that can make it so difficult for these young girls, teams all over, but especially the girls team that doesn't receive anywhere near enough funding that the men's team do. You need more people who are willing to just donate what is small amounts of money for them in obviously different causes all around the world, but grassroots is what we're focusing on here today. I found a Sky News article as well about Actonians LFC in West London and their, mm. their struggles towards the cost of living crisis. You asked Hannah of the financial support that isn't reaching their level and where she operates in her young girls team. It is quite difficult to get funding. Companies don't always want to you know, support the team because they're already supporting other teams um, at our club or our sporting teams elsewhere. So it is, we do often rely a lot on our, our own funding and, you know, raffles, backpacks, sponsored walks, just to get enough money to buy equipment or to enter leagues. So it is quite difficult. So some really interesting points there from Hannah, basically saying the lack of funding means they have to find the funding from themselves within and through like charity events like raffles and bagpacking, stuff like that. Yeah, I think, well, so we mentioned before just about cost of living, it's quite difficult now to ask people to sort of just give you money from their pocket, like, Mm. you know. You feel bad doing that as well. I I would hate doing that sort of thing, because you see everyone struggling in their own way, really. They can't enter tournaments, because obviously tournaments have fees, so they're basically left to play, well, nothing, nothing really, just training games. And that is another big thing tournament football because it's so key for player development and Mm -hmm. the fact that some girls can't play in these tournaments they don't get regular game time because there's not enough teams and so forth you lose so many talented young players who could go on to have really good careers at good levels whether that's in the Scottish League English League American League which is obviously massive as well it's such a shame that you lose so many young talented players because the funding's not right and the development's not right I totally agree. But yeah, it's so important that you're playing in tournaments as well, like knockout football mm. and just the whole competition aspect of it. If you're 
like you say, you can't afford to pay for a referee, so you're just playing training games all the time. Like, just the pure the, basics, isn't it? Yeah. So you've not got that competitive edge or that killer instinct in games, or mm-hmm. you know, even the right mentality to have in as well. It's just oh, it's a training it game. It doesn't so matter. Soul destroying if you're turning up week in week out and you're constantly you know getting told we can't afford a referee this week or games off or we haven't got enough players and all that kind of stuff like and that like if you get a good cup run as well obviously builds momentum and excitement for the team you get to the quarter final set final whatever like and winning a cup as well yeah that's brilliant and it teaches you the art of winning and even losing, and losing in the cup final as well, as well or mm-hmm. wherever you lose in the tournament how can we get better how can we improve as players that's where the coaching comes back mm-hmm, into exactly. it you know yeah i mean i found some stuff on the fa website the director, which is Baroness Sue Campbell, who's been in women's sport overall for so many years. She's been at the forefront. She's retiring in 2024, but she put together a strategy for women and girls football. The fact that they're going to get early opportunities. And the whole point is to grow the women and girls game as a whole. So awareness for girls at the age of 15 to 16 of the Lionesses. It's gone up 32% in two years. As well as that, the interest in the actual football as well has gone up 12% according to that FA website. And then there's been a 17% increase in female affiliated players across all levels of the game. 30% increases in female teams, 15% increases in female youth teams. And alongside that as well, since the Women Euros, there's been 196% more female pitch bookings, which is just... Wow. Wild. Almost double. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's blown just, up yeah. over the last couple of years. It's, it? it's unbelievable. That's almost triple, isn't it? 196%. Maths was never my strong point. It's 100% double. It's a big number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think as well, it's worth mentioning how new this sort of explosion is for women's football being so popular. Like, it's only really been the last couple of years that we're seeing, and it's to make it more specific to Scotland. Like, we've only got three clubs in Scotland that that have got full-time professional players. Yeah. Rangers, Celtic and Glasgow. So, obviously, the the plan is, in the next couple of years, to have the whole Premier League full-time professional. And the more it gets taught at school, the more that children get encouraged to play it, the more popular it will get as well. Yeah. Right, well... Thanks, guys. That was really interesting to get the ball rolling on women's football and grassroots football. And thank you to Kaylee and Hannah as well for their Ooh, brilliant yeah, interviews. Thanks, thanks, guys. Tune into the next one as well. Cool. See you next time. <laughs>